I'm a Jew. I don't look it. I look like I eat Jews and mix them with creatine powder. Like, there's a gold watch in this blender. Do you have a Jewish girlfriend? Any girlfriend? No, you seem disappointed in that. Ginger chick, that's exciting, huh? Does her vagina come out and spout words of the devil at you? Like, and do you have to be like, if I was a rich man? This is fun. That is a good laugh. You're confused. You're like, this karaoke's dirty. Why is the karaoke cursing? The rock is shorter than I thought. There's a little Aaron Berg there. Actor, comedian, one half of the duo that makes up In Hot Water. Heard on Compound Media. Go subscribe there. I don't know how much it is a month, like nine bucks a month. Not too bad. It's usually all I watch. If you listen to my podcast and you go, yeah, that make, pretty much makes sense. But yeah, Aaron Berg, who I've uh, I got an opportunity to see a bunch of times and even open for at The Funny Stop, is going to be at The Funny Stop. They're bringing comedians of the compound here this week. If you're listening to this, uh, this week, it's, uh, it's coming out August 18th. So August 19th through the 21st, they will be at The Funny Stop. So I'm looking forward to having them there, which includes his co-host, Gino Bisconti. Uh, Pat Dixon, Anthony Cumia. The reason I got into radio was Anthony Cumia. So it's really interesting that being a part of something and being in the audience and getting a chance to meet and uh, hang out with Anthony a couple of times and going, that's the reason I'm doing this. That guy right there across the table is why I am doing this and why I'm holding a microphone right now. If it wasn't for him, I might be a doctor. Instead, I, <laughs> I make a very small amount of money working in radio. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Comedians of the Compound, they have dates coming up. Uh, if, if you're checking this out, they are going to be in Poughkeepsie, Las Vegas, and they will be at Blue Claws Stadium uh, off the Jersey Shore in Lakewood, New Jersey coming up. Those are the gigs that are released is, when I'm recording this. Those are the ones that are released. Go check them out if you're in the area. It's a fun time completely politically incorrect. And I got a chance to talk to Aaron, not just about promoting the shows, but also in comedy in general in the last year and, you know, how he's managed to not only do comedy in, you know, during a pandemic and coming out of a pandemic, but also doing comedy now that he's sober. That the fact that getting on stage and you wanting to get up there and needing some of that liquid courage, eh, yeah, I needed that for a little bit, but I don't do it as much before I go on stage. Although if you talk to a couple of people and they listen to my material, they may beg to differ with that. But we talked about that all here on this podcast uh, here with Aaron Berg. And by the way, if you enjoy this podcast, check out my others, the free podcast. They come out every Wednesday, and I've got a different guest, and they some talk politics, some talk comedy, some talk about nostalgic fast food restaurants from years past and you know i try to mix it up a little bit so hope you uh check that out and subscribe to this podcast the free one on wednesdays and if you like that even more so and you want to hear more of what i have to offer i also do my own podcast on patreon where i give you f normally if you subscribe for free it's four episodes per month and if you subscribe to the patreon it's four episodes per week so 20 a month you get my rants and raves of, uh, you know, socio-political stuff or uh, why sports sucks nowadays, why it's not as good as it used to be back in the 80s and the 90s, and yeah, and then early access to guests, so you'll be able to hear this when it's uh, released long before 
uh, the podcast really is going out there. The, pro- the thing is that I'm posting this podcast the day on Patreon and on the free podcast because it's very timely. But if you're in the area, if you're in Northeast Ohio, make sure you stop on out to the Funny Stop. And if you see Aaron Berg uh, in your, coming to a town near you or he's not, you request him to come to town. He's seriously, in my opinion, one of the best comics in the entire country. Very few comics will have me rolling the way that Aaron Berg does as soon as he gets on stage because he does a lot of crowd work, he has material, and it's boom, 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 boom. It's just, it's truly amazing. There are some comics like Andrew Dice Clay, as you may have heard with the Don Jameson podcast, where Dice will be on stage for five minutes and not even say anything. But the things he does are funny, but he just, he'll, he'll just piss people off and just not do anything on stage. That's hilarious. Aaron goes up there on stage and it's joke, 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 joke. And you can't laugh too much at every single one of them because you're going to miss a couple of jokes. He's that good. So go check out Aaron Berg if he's coming to a town near you. And you can see him all around New York City. And you can watch him Monday through Thursday on Compound Media at 2 o'clock and archived after the show with In Hot Water. And subscribe to Gum Fridays, their Patreon as well. So, yes, we have competing Patreons right now. <laughs> Without further ado, as I always say, my guest, actor, comedian, the great Aaron Berg. had the pleasure of opening for him at the Funny Stop when he came back in March. He's back with the comedians of the compound, Aaron and Gina Bisconti, Pat Dixon, Anthony Cumio will be there. Is there any other surprises? Anyone else going to come out there? Bobby Tamburo will be coming. Uh, And I think Larry BMA host. Okay, Larry will be there. I love it. I love it. I love it. I will be there. I will. We figured out. Larry's funny is he repeats stuff. So if you're talking about Patrice O'Neill and you go, oh, Patrice would tear anyone a new ass. He go, he would. He would tear him a new ass. That's Larry's. Uh, Larry, the secret to Larry's funny. Larry's Larry's one of those black guy funnies where he's funny without actually saying anything. Where he's one of those guys that he's he'll go on stage. He'll do like, I love it. I love being here. I love it. You got some nice yeah. titties there. I love it. And I'm like, he didn't say anything funny, but the crowd's already laughing. So he's uh, mm-hmm. he, but he's not one of those the humps the black guys who humps the stools. He's just uh, right. He's just he's just a funny dude. So, but uh, yeah, no comedians of the compound coming up uh, August 19th through the 21st. Every single person asks me. They said, Wow, that's a great lineup. You think Kumia's actually going to show up for that? And I'm like, I, I wouldn't see why not. <laughs> yeah, we had one incident where he couldn't make a show because he left Long Island at 3 p.m. or 2 p.m. to try and get to Bethel, PA, which should be at that, you, you know, two and a half hour, three hour drive. But getting out of New York on a Friday is insane. So they decided to drive through New York go to the Holland Tunnel and I've been caught there before and it's literally you just sit you go a block in two hours so he was like this is physically impossible I will not be there and uh, so he had to bail on that one show and I think there was one other one he got sick for but all these ones that we travel to he he inevitably shows up and those are the best ones are the ones where we do a whole weekend now like I like doing the one-nighter things but it's um it's way better to have a destination and give people weekend pass options and stuff like that. 
I was there from the beginning. I, well, maybe not the first one, but I think the second one. You guys were up with uh, Frank up in White Plains at the the basement of the steakhouse, and it was a great show. And as as our good friend Jim Florentine says, doing those shows is like playing at Coors Field with the wind blowing out. Lots of home runs you're going to hit. I mean, it was a great, yeah. you know, like the Jim Stansels and Matt Meads, they were all in the audience. So you're going to get a great crowd regardless. Uh, I, I, that was one thing I wanted to ask, though. Do you feel, because one thing about you is that you're the, I can't think of a harder working comedian where you're doing 25 sets in one night and you're doing a lot of this. Do you feel that when you do these compound shows that it's a, I don't want to say a false sense of security, but you're getting laughs that you may not necessarily get with an audience who doesn't know exactly who you are and what you, uh, what network you represent? Yeah, it's definitely like playing a home game. So, uh, that's why I have to do other shows. That's why I have to play in front of diverse audiences in New York so that it's like, it's great to play for your crowd, but you need to be able to be funny in front. The whole goal is still to be funny in front of a room full of strangers. If you're just swinging right wing jokes at right wing people, it, it's easy pickings, you know, and you can, you want to consider yourself edgy, but if you're just saying, you know, kick around slurs that you could easily find in a Facebook feed, it becomes rather pedestrian. So you have to be able to dig deep and uh, you, you still have to play in front of diverse crowds that and crowds that don't like you. I mean, that's one of the best things about comedy being back is looking out and seeing those faces of disapproval and then being able to disassemble their thoughts and destroy their own arguments in their heads. Like the perfect example is I'm doing a joke about complying while driving now. And it's got, you know, it, it's inevitably funny throughout. The biggest laughs are from black audience members, but then white people will be offended because they think they should be. And now I'm trying to talk it through where it's like, why are you offended for these people that are actually enjoying this moment, having a great time? Is it because you think you're smarter than these people and these people are idiots for laughing at a joke that's well-crafted? So there's this thing where it's like there's more of a challenge to play in front of audiences that aren't your own. And I also think that's how you build a base is, is playing to people and they go, wow, that guy was funny. Where can I see more of him? And uh, the comedians of the compound shows are like these built-in beautiful forms of expression, but you can't just play that. There's, there's some I could be wrong. You know, DePaulo plays to his crowd all the time. But DePaulo also spent, you know, 30 years becoming a master craftsman. Um, and now it's like if people go see DePaulo and they're not there to see DePaulo, they'll find out really quickly and they'll get up and leave. Yeah, it's it, you get to that point, you achieve that in your career. And but, you know. I'm not saying you guys aren't at that point, but you because you guys are drawing, it's just a matter of when you do your own, when it's like, oh, no, I'm not affiliated with Compound for this appearance. It's me, Aaron Berg. And then when you get that audience who's just as rabid as the Compound shows, it, that, I guess that's where I guess you feel that you've made it in the business, is where you can go out there, you can play to any audience, and either way you're going to get the reaction that you want out of them. Yeah, and the, I mean, the jokes do change a little bit, not necessarily the words, but sometimes the intonations and the subtext of the jokes change based on the audience that you're playing in front of, you know? Yeah, so I, it, I saw it one time uh, before the everything shut down. It was in um, at Hilarities. You guys came to Hilarities a couple of years ago. 
And one thing that was interesting was you did In Hot Water podcast first, and then it was a comedy show after. But it wasn't comedians of the compound comedy show. It was a comedy show. So you were getting people off the street and uh, non-compound media fans who were going like, hey, I got tickets, so I want to go see this comedy show. And then when you have somebody like Gino who's on stage saying, fucking faggots and faggots and more faggots, <laughs> then it yeah. got to the point where Anne Frank this and Anne Frank that. And people are like, well, well, what, is, what is going on here? Is this a, is this a KKK rally? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy, There's, but um, it was interesting. I mean, I don't know where, you know, Gino loves playing for the crowd. And I think Gino's hilarious no matter what. But I think if you start losing that ability to play all these New York rooms, it kind of pigeonholes you. Mm. And that's, you know, that's not something that I, I want to happen. No, but well, I, I got to say though, the audience is what I've at least noticed. Now, you know, you're in New York and you're, you, there's a lot more woke population, I guess would be in New York, but I've noticed that the audiences since things reopened a year ago are comedy audiences it's not the papering the room audience of all right yeah. hey, look i'm taking my girlfriend here and she gets kind of offended but you know what i'll laugh for her so she'll just stare blankly at the stage or maybe write a bad yelp review later but my yeah but i'll be laughing nowadays you're seeing people say look i gotta get out of the house we gotta laugh we gotta have a good time and i'm noticing that even people that two three years ago that may not have been into that type of comedy just want that opportunity to get out of the house and enjoy life yeah, it's like the diehard fans are coming back, but it's also, you know, you're starting to see some tourists and stuff. I, I was on a show last night. Edie Falco was in the audience. Oh, yes. Um, because uh, Vladimir Camano did a TV show with her on CBS. So I guess she showed up to watch Vlad and he was on before me and it wasn't packed. There was maybe like 20 people. And I've gone up in front of who is it? Maybe Susan Sarandon. But then there was someone else that I thought would be... Um, was it God, Alexandria who, Daddario? No. God, why Why is this escaping me now? She was married to someone super famous, and then there was a possibility that he hit her. She's gorgeous. God. Judy Karn. <laughs> no. <laughs> Keep naming women that have been hit. Lonnie Anderson. Um, no. Uh, who, uh, who, da- uh, who dated... Uh, who's with um, Glenn Campbell? <laughs> um God. oh robin wright pen oh yes okay uh yeah and i was like uh, and she and i was like oh i'm all worried because i had like some hitting women jokes and stuff and she was dying laughing and then last <laughs> night i went up and edie was there and i was like i don't get nervous but whenever i'm performing in front of like stars who i respect i'm like oh it better go well and vlad killed before me he's so funny and i went up and I started out kind of wonky, and I was like, oh, God, I'm going to bomb in front of Edie Falco. And then uh, I was like, okay, it's just not an option. So I eased in, and then she's, she was laughing the whole time. And I was like, boy, that feels good. But these people that are, you know, sometimes surprisingly woke, also if they're artists, they kind of get the art of stand-up. And they do respect that ability to push more, you know? Oh, yeah. And I've noticed that in some even like open mics and kind of woke rooms that you start hearing faggot being used more because it's that art form where if you're an audience member, you go, oh, I can't believe somebody's saying that. But when you're on stage, you go, hey, maybe I need to be shocking. Maybe I need to do something that's going to wake people up. And 
obviously, as we know, shocking for shocking's sake is, you know, that, that was kind of maybe an 80s or 90s type of thing. It's not really the case now. You have to have a, a modus operandi. You have to have a reason if you're going to take it down that level um, in, in order to be shocking. But, you know, it, honestly, it, it's it's at the point where, again, I think people are finally happy to be out. They're not wearing masks. Yeah. They're not. They, they just want to go out. Hey, I want to have a good time. And. It, uh, and especially coming to Comedians of the Compound, I, I saw you guys in Atlantic City. I didn't get a chance to talk to you because I think you had like a virtual gig you were doing right after, after your Yeah, set. Yeah, I keep busy. I try, to, uh, I try to keep working all the time. That yeah, was, I had to run out and do like a Zoom show. That was, I, a, that was classic because, as I always say, go to the second show. I always tell people, if you really appreciate comedy, you get an opportunity. Because things in the first show are going to be really tight and – uh, it, it's going to end at a certain time. You might have an opportunity where a comedian will do 55 or an hour and five, or in the case where I saw Gallagher, three hours and five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the um, You get a chance to see a comic really work his, qua- his or her craft in that second show. So, But the problem is when you have somebody like Gino who's on the second show, he's been drinking all day. <laughs> so yeah. When he goes on the Atlantic City show. He was just. I'm try. I'm actually heckling him from the audience to help him with his jokes because I know his material. Yeah. And Frank book. And Frank freaking faggot drink fucking. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And I'm like, oh boy. And I'm like, hey, what? Ha-? And I talked to Don and uh, and Dave Landau, and I'm like, hey, where, what happened to Gino? And I'm like, oh, Luby put him back in his room uh, as soon as he got off stage. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's part of Gino's job to show up and uh, drink with the people. So he's, uh, you know, he puts in overtime sometimes. I always wanted to ask you that. Uh, what were you, so you've been sober now, what, seven years, right? Eight, maybe. Eight? Eight so and change. What drove you to that point? I always heard Patrice O'Neill told a story where Patrice wasn't necessarily a sober comic, because obviously, you know, food's, food's his drug, or was his drug, but he had had a beer or maybe two beers at one of Kumia's parties, and he was laughing, he's giggling, he's t- cracking jokes, and he said, I can't do this because then I- I'm going to rely on this substance every time I go on stage to be this funny, so I can't do that. What was it that got you to that point? I know you were a, you were a big wine drinker. Uh, yeah. What got you to that point? And I guess the follow-up to that question would be, how do you manage yourself when you have a guy like Gino who's just pulling out Jameson and uh, uh, drinking beer and everything, and that you're not able to be tempted by that? Well, I'm not tempted at all because I just see what it does. And, and you know, I always remember what the next morning would be like. All I have to think about is how I would feel waking up the next morning. Uh, my rock bottom wasn't really a bad rock bottom. I was hosting shows at the stand and I was hosting three and I, Mike Lawrence, I was like, Hey, are you going up on this one? He's like, you just, I was just on two comics ago. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. and I was that drunk. I was just standing outside teetering. I didn't feel good the next day. And I was sick of waking up at, you know, two in the afternoon being depressed and just kind of motoring through and my career also wasn't where I wanted it to be. I just felt, you know, I, I wasn't getting anywhere. I was just slogging away and I was funny, but I, w- I was just kind of a shell of what I could be. So I just said, that's it. And I just stopped drinking and smoking cigarettes same day. And it was, you know, five weeks of detox. And then um, I never looked back. 
So when you ended up being a uh, getting sober, how did that change the comedy? Did it change it at all, or did you think that I- I'm just not going to be funny again if I'm unless I have a couple no, of shots? That or never. Of I, I knew I'd be funnier because I made the stand up the drug. So mm. I was like, okay, this is going to be the high for today. It's when I get on stage, and that made it so much more in the moment. And that's when you know I shifted to crowd work. I've moved away from crowd work in the past couple of years, but it was like, you know, a good five years of pretty much crowd work um, because it was so in the moment. I was, you know, just walking a tightrope, not knowing where the laughs are going to come, not knowing what the context of the set was going to be and just working it through. And that and that kind of took the place of the booze. So you weren't necessarily an alcoholic where like you're waking up in the morning, you're drinking or you. Just I would had- drink in the day mm-hmm. and I would drink consistently i mean there was very it, it'd be very rare i had a day where i didn't drink and then because yeah, you're in comedy clubs and they're offering it to you you do a spot and sometimes you get paid you you get paid in white and you get paid in booze and you get you know whatever the case would be i wasn't a big white guy you know i did it <laughs> i did it you can count on two hands the amount of times i did that but um yeah you're getting paid you know you get free drinks when you're a regular at a club and it's you know social and it's fun and uh, you hang out, you know, instead of working or focusing or doing whatever. I also stopped hanging out after that because I was like, oh, I'm just hanging out to drink. Yeah. And the like, I, I'm kind of at that point, too, where when I started, so I, I'm just about eight years doing in the, in the stand up now. So not that far, but I've been in broadcasting now. I'm, I'm on my 15th year. So when I got into stand up, it was kind of in between gigs. It was like going through a breakup. It was like a traumatic time for me. And I needed to have some kind of release. So I started doing stand up and then I got back into radio. So I've balanced both of them. But when I started, it was I have to have at least two drinks to go on stage because I have my stage fright. Then yeah. if I'm doing two shows, then I got to have a shot here and this and that. Then I started under finally realizing in the last probably two years, actually since getting back on stage last year after things shut down, I can't drink before I go on stage. Like I can't do one right. shot. I it's just gonna fuck with me. And I gotta make if it, like I'm not sober. I'll go and afterward after the show I'll have a couple of beers. But I also don't have that addictive personality. I'm not a smoker. I'll smoke cigars, but I can go two months without smoking a cigar and it's fine. I, I'm yeah. lucky enough to not have that addictive personality and, and need to do that before I go on stage. But I'm I'm the lucky one because there's a lot of people who aren't as fortunate. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, I don't know if people are born with that addictive personality or it's because, you know, they're trying to compensate for something. So I don't have the answer to that, but it's good that you don't have it. Thank I, I'm really thankful when I find out a lot of people are like, count your lucky stars. But uh, what, uh, so, uh, you know, listening to you for the last several years and in hot water, and that's how I was really introduced, even though I've seen you probably in 12 different things, including Detroit Rock City and didn't even realize it. But I remember the first time I watched you guys and the first time I had heard about you was, well, first of all, it was when Kumia was on his uh, court ordered rehab down in Florida and you guys filled in. But the first time I ever decided to tune into In Hot Water, you were you were dressed as a baby. Yeah. I don't even know what the context was, but I just remember Kumia was saying, I don't know what they're doing on this In Hot Water show. But it, And then they, Garrett shows a clip, or whoever was on the video was showing a clip of you dressed as a baby, with your shirt off and wearing a diaper. And I'm like, all right, I, I don't know what this is, but I have to watch it. Uh, like, how, how did you get involved with the whole compound stuff and, and where, where it's led you to today? Uh, 
when Legion of Skanks was there and they were doing one show a week and, you know, it was, uh, it seemed like a big thing because Anthony had just come off the serious. And it, even though it didn't end well, it seemed like it was going to pick up some steam. So the people that were getting involved, it seemed, you know, he, he's a radio legend. So it seemed something worth doing. And, uh, and then I think we, Gino and I had both been guests on Anthony's show at some point. And then uh, when Anthony went away, we both guest hosted at separate times. And then Keith was like, hey, you guys have a show. And we had a show called In Hot Water. We'd only done it five or six times. Your hands are very purple. She's playing with wet chalk. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, okay. And, uh, She's going to clean them up in the pool. Sorry. So then we decided we did it like four or five times on the laptop. And then Keith was like, I heard you guys have a show. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, well, Skanks is leaving. Do you want to take their spot? And we thought that may be problematic because they already had a big following. So we're like, we should probably do a different time slot. So we did. And I think it was Tuesday afternoons or something. And then, um, and then we just kept doing it. And, you know, took a bunch of chances and kept going further and further. And I think that was something that Anthony liked. And, you know, I think we have this very traditional thing where it's like, it's shock jock radio, but it's the first shock jock video that there's really been, you know, when you guys use the platform properly, like I see a lot of comics and a lot of people who are including myself right now doing a zoom, but I've got no, but I'm not also not doing the video version. And I just see so many of the comics and, you know, not uh, like, for example, for, uh, and uh, we love him, but Kevin Brennan, he does his video podcast, but it's just him with just him. There's no visual element to it. And what you guys do the best is you do the visual element, you know, from obviously the clutch cargo, <laughs> the, the mouth and the eyes and everything with the, yeah. the characters. But you truly use that visual element because, I mean, I could. Uh, you're the only show, I think, on that network, may, maybe Kumia to a certain extent, but you're the only show that I can't just listen to the audio. You have to have the video. I have to have my that uh, base mounted in my car. So when I'm on a road trip or I'm going to work and I'm watching you guys, I have to have you on. Cause I have to see what you guys are talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's a real show. I mean, it's in the tradition of, you know, you, you could see the influences of like, you know, Johnny Carson SCTV. And it's like, it's a real show. You got, I, I don't know how you could just listen to it. I, I watch it still yesterday, driving into the city. I turned on the last episode we did before vacation and I was laughing so hard. Like we'll get messages. Like I almost crashed my car. I was like, how do people do? And I was like, oh, I get it. Cause you're laughing so uncontrolled. And it was about legit news guy reporting on Karen Crumb's death. And then he starts getting all nervous. So he's just <laughs> farting through every question. Gino asks him. And the farts are so perfectly timed. I mean, Garrett and Steve are such an essential part of the show now, and they've, they've got the timing down, and they know when to insert stuff. And uh, it's just, it's it's the funniest show around. Like, other guys are funny talking, but this is so layered, and there's so many levels of stupid funny to it. Like, no, no other show can touch it. And I've seen other shows. Like, normal podcasts don't even come close. Were you ever influenced? Because, like, when you said about SCTV, and I've got, I've talked to Colin Mockery on this podcast and a couple of others, that something about Canada, 
there's it was like some kind of gene that you guys had up there that like and when you watch SCTV and you and part of Second City and I'm sure that's probably something that you watched growing up and that you aspired to be because you're somebody that even though you did get into stand up and you've been doing it for 20 years you had aspirations as early as you know what the early 90s probably late 80s of doing something like that and writing poetry and performance and community theater and everything that this was you know you're what you're doing right now within Hot Waters you're putting decades of essentially decades of practice into doing this show yeah it's a little bit of everything so it's it's really great and then it's like you wonder where it could go next you know and it's like uh it's not going to be netflix it's not going to be serious you know so i don't know i think we just keep building it as it is and just keep doing it and you know we're at almost 700 episodes now so it's crazy it's the continued adapting with the platform because the one thing that you know you talk about the compound shows because you're seeing a lot of people like you know like carolyn and uh, stancil and those people that do go out to these shows and they go out to a lot of them but the problem is you're seeing a comedy show it's not like a it's not like going to see journey and you're going to hear don't stop believing being played sometimes you're going to hear some of the same jokes and it's tough to have you know you go into an audience where it might be a little bit more of an echo chamber and everything the the one thing that i've always admired about you aaron is that you've actually gone out you've done alex jones you've done a lot of these shows you've done a lot of press and you're essentially like the pr guy for compound media and spreading the word and getting people who are disenfranchised by regular media disenfranchised by talk radio disenfranchised by howard stern and some of the shows that they had grown up with that howard's taken the entire summer off and he's woke now and he's he's hollywood howie and he's so those people need that outlet and the one thing about compound media on your show is it is truly one of those off offshoots just like misery loves company just like a lot of these other shows uh andrew schultz and, and even rogan to a certain extent they're offshoots of what we grew up with with howard stern and with uh with opie and anthony and they really is this is like the next generation of these people yeah and it's weird to see you know most mainstream entertainment is really garbage you know to the point where it's like if you want to watch something good on tv now it has to be utter trash to be entertaining so it's like the only shows i watch are like uh love after lockup and below deck yeah and it's amazing because they're you know crappy reality shows but that's that to me is heightened entertainment because it's so bad i can't watch scripted stuff uh acting for the most part seems so bad to me now that it has to be, you know, innovative and, and uh, weird thing. And we, you know, we do have influences, but it's such an original show in its baseness and uh, simultaneously its brilliance on some levels. So it's a fun show to do, but it's also exhausting. Someone said when they started SNL, they were like, being funny is really hard work. And it is, you know, it's not, but it is. It's yep. at the point where we don't have to prepare uh but the the secret is in being ready to be not prepared. So it's it's a weird thing, and it takes a, like like relaxation becomes the work that you have to do. It's true. It really is true. And uh, and people who aren't in that field don't understand how much that takes out of you. And you know, uh, and especially with your show because it is so irreverent, and it can be you talking to Gino 
about his alcoholism and, and his dating life, or it could be a bunch of characters and guests that you have on. It it changes, and it's not always the same show, and that's why I think people really enjoy the spontaneity of what happens. But with the spontaneity, and because you are on an uncensored network, do you you know there there have been characters that you guys used to do, uh, some of them you bring back every so often. That are you concerned? Because you're also not only just a comic and nationally touring comic and a comic around New York City, but you're also an actor. And do you do you ever have the feeling that some one time that those characters are going to come back and it's going to cause you that if you had a big commercial, whether it's like a home security commercial, and somebody's like, by the way, Aaron Berg, you know, from Compound Media, he dressed as this and he did this as a character, and they're like, oh, no, then we can't, we can't run you in a commercial. Like, you, do you, are you ever concerned about some of the content that's on uh, your show? Of course, and- there's consequences to the choices. You know, uh, I'm not concerned about it. I, I made up my mind at day one that I wouldn't apologize. That. You know, my my non-apology will be the same as Howard Stern's. You know, we're working on a shock show. That's what we do. That's it. It's not if you were offended. I know it offends some people. Yeah. It's, Life is offensive sometimes. It's it, the, the one thing that's so just disheartening for me is that when you see people that were like the the warriors for free speech and then they kind of go backwards and they go, ah, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to edit this and we're going to have to take this out. I mean, that's what that's what was the problem with Kimmel is that when you watch something yeah. like Windy City Heat and the early Jimmy Kimmel show, uh, you know, just off of the man show and then what he's become right now is just it's two different people. And it's sad because it, it's it's like telling and try. It's it's weird because it's like with that with Howard. It's you can go back in the 90s and watch the Channel 9 show and some of the things they had on regular TV. I mean, this is network television that they were on that you can't yeah. even do on the Internet right now without you getting banned. And it's so sad that you're like, look, Howard was so much better and all these other shows, they were so much better, but they quote unquote evolved. But I don't think it's as much evolving. It's job security in a lot of ways. And that's why it's 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 it really is a nice thing that you're like, look, yeah, we do some offensive things on the show. And what do you want me to do? Apologize for my past? Yeah, I, I get the notion of evolving and I get how people can, you know, there's some words that I used to use that I don't use on here. Uh, so I get it. I understand it. I, I also don't know. You look, someone like Kimmel's got enough money. He could stop working anytime. Um, so, you know, maybe he just feels like, OK, I want to make a difference. And doing so, does it make him less funny? Probably. Yeah, because, you know, comedy at its funniest has no rules and has no boundaries. That's what uh, makes people gut laugh is because it has this punch of like, it's funny. It's well crafted. It's over the edge. There's no limits. It's not. Uh, real world it's comedy so that's what people connect to so i get it but it's like you know it it does make you it does make you less funny it's it's just sad but that's why that there are certain networks and there's certain pockets like what you guys have in gas digital that are helping people get through the day um and and that that's ultimately what it is is because i we have youtube tv at home but for the most part it's compound media I and mean, my my favorite parts are when you guys are playing something like gay porn on the uh, on the show and my wife was working at home at the time and she's sitting there she's on a conference call or a zoom and the, and then there's gino that's yelling in the background and everything and you just go and she's like she's like can you turn it down please because they think I'm yeah. at a bar right now. 
And I'm like, well, yeah. it's not too far off from what you'd see at a bar, but it's just, it's fantastic. How, by the way, how did you meet Gino? Was it just around the, the club scene? Yeah, around the uh, New York comedy scene. And you guys just really hit it off from the beginning. Yeah, with, we with became your- drinking buddies. And then uh, I just said, I'd, I'm not in the podcast, but if I ever did one, I'd do one with you. And then sure enough, look where we're at. Yeah. That's, uh, it's just fantastic. And uh, I'm looking, I'm so looking forward to you guys coming, coming to town for Comedians of the Compound. It's August 19th through the 21st um, at the Funny Stop Comedy Club, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. 